Ahoy, mateys. This is Adrienne Barbeau, your night night, and you are listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. And yes, genius, you can call me Billy. Consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that heartily recommends any dish from the Atkins diet. My name is Greg D. I'm Janie McGee. And on today's episode, in preparation for next month's madness, uh, we're heading to Patreon country as we offer up a sampling of of our squidly diddly tear. <laughs> you make sure you a sampling of our squidly diddly tear, not a sampling of squidly diddly. That's later. We need the distinction. That's later. <laughs> and whether uh, you've seen Bigfoot's O face or not, oh God, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your greatest hits hole. Yeah, we're already lost a number of people <laughs> with all of that. Now, of course, uh, we are posting our greatest hits out on social media. Uh, you can find us out on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and squiddly diddly shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, February 3rd, uh, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to screenland.com where they will have your squiddly diddly shenanigans taken care of indoors. And virtually. Yes, they will. <laughs> Especially well, Friday nights. Well, and our, our latest Friday Night Fright genius... It's and I've seen that for me. Really? So I can't technically, I can't verify mm -hmm. if there's squiddly diddly in it. Now, I saw it in the theater, mm -hmm. but if you ask me to describe it, I, I'm going to say, I don't, I, I don't know. I've seen that. I'm, I've seen it, but I don't think I've seen it since then, so I don't remember. But I can't imagine 2001's Valentine having anything with squiddly diddly in it no but it does have david boreanaz and that's why i went really i figured it was a uh, denise williams would have been your draw no it was, i was a huge denise angel richards fan. denise richards see that was a bonus that was like come for the angels stay for the other angel and so well yeah. it's also riding high on the tides of almost the post scream mm -hmm. surge of the slasher in the 90s i'm really looking forward to that but Speaking of looking forward, looking forward to next Friday Night's Fright. Ooh, on the cold winter's day, February 14th. It's it's kind what, of become a tradition. It's what it's all about. It's, it ticks off a number of things. And if you've never seen this, we're sorry for your loss, but you'll be able to make amends and check this one out because this is probably one of the best uh, contemporary slasher films that's set on a holiday, Hoser. Holiday. Conexploitation. Yeah. A random harmonica in a junkyard plane. Well, while cooking microwave dinners on, on an, engine. an engine. Yeah. The movie has it all, the Canadian charm, and then some of the more intense kills, which hopefully mm -hmm. I have to look into it. 
Ooh, are we? We're getting the uncut version again. Ooh, I hope so because those kills are fucking rad. They elevate an already elevated film. Mm-hmm. Come on out for the 1981 classic, My Bloody Valentine. Oh, that movie! Like Beetlejuice says, it just keeps getting better every time I see it. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Well, the other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the third, uh, there's an entire franchise uh, built around the, the charisma. And the star power of Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, who have both grown and gone on to really cool, unique careers in the film industry. If you would have told me this, like back in like twenty four or two thousand four, like man, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson are going to be the fucking best things since sliced bread when it comes to genre. They're just bringing the intensity. Bullshit. What are you talking about? The Twilight people? Come on. So I've never seen Twilight. I've never seen one, a single of the films. And I don't say that as like a brag. No. It was I'm just. I'm not trying to. It just wasn't for me. Exactly. It Even wasn't. though, we, like, vamp, I like vampires, I like werewolves, but the demographic wasn't at marketed towards me. Mm-mm. And so I never seen it. Now, knowing that this is like the, the epicenter of. Pattinson and Stewart's rise to stardom. Yeah. That's and, cool. And it's five films that are going on that day, the entirety of the Twilight Saga. And I will just tell you this I did program some vintage vampire trailers before each one to ideally, if people are only familiar with the Twilight films, to hopefully expand their palette mm-hmm. in the vampire genre. Now, that being said, a movie playing this weekend that. I think may have been, it was our third Monday Mystery Movie Night. Second. It was our third. We did, we opened with, um, uh, uh, oh my God, Hamburger the Motion Picture. Yeah. Our second one was Black Dynamite. Oh yeah. And then our third one was the Wachasi Sisters Bound. It's fucking dark in here. That movie is amazingly good amazingly good and like not to sound creeps of nostalgia too late but it's fucking sexy it's it's a hot fucking film it's sexy it has a reputation yeah the thing is though it is so much more than the reputation of the film absolutely you come in looking for that scene right but, but then you go, oh my god! Like the, the noir aspect alone, the, the dialogue, the the, the camera the angles, yeah. everything about this movie is just so so well it's, done. Well it's an done, incredible, incredible film. So cannot wait to see people out for and that one. I guarantee, after if you've never seen this movie, every time you walk into a dark room, you're going to say it's fucking dark in here Joey without pants. fail. Joey well, pants. Every time I need to say it's dark in here, it's, it's fucking dark in here. I can validate this. This is very true. And very funny. Yeah. Every single time. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> it just gives me the greatest giggle. Uh, it is so good. It is so good. Now, another film that hopefully won't give you giggles during certain scenes with certain character actors uh, but we're bringing back David Lynch's Wild at Heart. <laughs> Bobby Peru will not be making an appearance in Hor- Horrorwood Squares. Uh, I'm just telling no. you right now. Because it's He's bad enough awful. with Cronenberg, we have to involve the mask. Right? We don't need pantyhose with Bobby, Bobby Peru. Peru. No. Bobby Peru does not need pantyhose to get more creepy. That Wild at Heart 
is fucking wild. That I mean, that's it's in the title. It's, it's in the title. It's no false pretense about it, but just right when you think it's his, well, this movie's pretty intense and it's crazy, and then here, here comes Willem Dafoe. Jesus Christ! Hey, I'm in Peru. Hey, you're like, oh God, you're disturbing. You're gonna walk away with a belief of a snakeskin jacket and how you know it's just an expression for someone's individuality. I would love doing karate to see someone doing karate kicks at a punk show. That'd be fucking rad. (laughs) Fucking all rockabilly down my mind. This crazy. I'm Tiny Elvis. And he's over there dancing with a bunch of rude boys. It's so much fun. It is so much fun. Now, also then, (laughs) closing out the repertory screenings is a movie I came to late in life. Mm -hmm. And it was one that I always stayed away from because I was was always afraid it would make me feel old. Mm -hmm. Didn't necessarily make me feel old. Uh, but Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Dude, Scott Pilgrim versus the World is tight. <laughs> Scott well, Pilgrim versus the World is dope. Well, of course. Of course right. you are going to love that film. Right, right. I mean, I mean, I mean it's got Mew. It's got Aubrey Plaza. It's, <laughs> it's, it's got and, and it's got Michael Sarah. He's great in that. I. It's a lot of fun. Based on that fun video game, I, I liked it. I thought it would make me feel old, too. But I was like, oh, this is, all, this is 8-bit. This is a nothing but eight bit. This is making me feel good. I want to go play some arcade games now and like hang out the, with the gang. It has a lot a of sex heart. Bomb show. It has a lot of heart. I dig it. I dig it. Now, of course, if all of that sounds good and you're like, man, Screenland sounds like a pretty rad place, and you are correct, oh, yeah. they are. Uh, there's a couple ways you can help them out. Uh, of course, you can go to ScreenlandOnline.com where they have a number of films that you can rent from them directly. Or I think the best way to help them out is become a member of their film family by going to patreon.com slash screenland, where amongst their many perks, we offer our services up with a little watch party that we call the Shutter Shoutout. Mm-hmm. And here in February, on uh, Saturday the 25th, latest Shutter Shoutout is going to be a good one. I think it's one for me and one for you. Mm-hmm. Or actually, one for me and two for you. <laughs> as it is. And me, boss. And me, boss. And me, boss. And me, boss. <laughs> well, it's... We were we were actually looking at the movies where a lot of the times we're coming up with themes, uh, what would make a good double feature, mm-hmm. uh, but occasionally it just comes down to I want you to watch a certain movie and I want to watch a certain movie. Right. And as it turns out, both of them are shut. And I'm usually like, I'm down. Cool. Lay it on me. Well, and one of them has been on my radar for a while of trying to get you to watch it, but by on the 25th, we're going to take in both Speak No Evil and a wounded fawn. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen a wounded fawn. We're you're going to be seeing both Speak No Evil and a wounded fawn for the first time, right? So, wounded fawn is Travis Stevens, Jacob's wife. Okay, cool. Which was a shutter shout out. Yeah, back in the day, I it's it's weird. Cool. It's weird. All right. Now, of I course, like weird. both of those are streaming on Shutter. Uh, but by joining the film family, you're going to have access to uh, genius. What do you call it? It's the home game. It is the home version because we put together a customized pre-show, a video introduction with Genius and myself, vintage trailer reel for each film, and then, of course, the post-film discussion where we're, you're, we're going we're gonna to process because Speak No Evil, actually, I've heard, has a really good reputation, mm-hmm. and A Wounded Fawn, the closing credits, they do rival Pearl. Oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, does Speak No Evil, does that one have uh, Gene Wilder and uh, Richard, Pryor. Richard Pryor in it? Because I've seen that one. 
<laughs> I think it's an updated version. It might be a remake, might potentially. Be a remake. Okay, cool. I think it's an international remake, too, so I don't know if that's going to have to be oh! another time. Oh, another place. Warning. <laughs> well, in fairness, that, that movie the original one was another time. Another, another place. place. Warning. <laughs> oh, goodness. So if that sounds like that'd be something <laughs> you're interested in, uh, head on over to uh, patreon.com slash screenland. But genius, hey, if I'm talking Patreon and film family. Hey, bellies. We also have our own great collection of uh, people that I'd like to think would at least give Hear No Evil, See No Evil a chance. <laughs> With proper context. It's, of course. <laughs> but more importantly, uh, here in the month of February, uh, over on Patreon, on We've actually, I should, I should take it back here. We've noticed best practices and preparation for all the madness that comes out in the month of March. Mm-hmm. We did it last year is on the main feed, we took the entirety of the month off. Right. Nothing on the main feed. Nope. However, on Patreon, all for all of our pallies. Pallies, hey. We still put out all of our regular episodes. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, we thought here in the month of February, rather than not having anything on the main feed, we're going to basically give non pallies a peek into pallyhood. <laughs> a true taste of all the tears. A peep into the palliness. I, ooh. The, ooh, no. No, no that wait, sounds bad. Do they have to walk through the beaded curtain for that? <laughs> well, yeah, if it's our show. Actually, technically, <laughs> it, it, it tracks. <laughs> based on the uh, based on what I know of what they're getting a taste of, yeah, truly, you would have to walk through a beaded curtain to get to a few of these mm-hmm, films. Mm-hmm. So we thought we would highlight each of our individual <coughs> tiers, and we start with our entry tier, of which we call the Squidly Diddly, because why not? Of all the things <laughs> that I've come to associate us with the show, right. In theory, in theory, the squiddly diddly should be the last tier because that's the most like extreme. Because you really got to be asking for squiddly diddly unless it's surprise squiddly diddly, consenting squiddly diddly. Exactly, but you know, because like like never start with bus stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But I like to. In true Squidly Diddly fashion, it Trinity just weaves its way in everything. You can't stop Squidly Diddly once Squidly Diddly starts, as we have seen recently. And, and that's just it. Squidly Diddly finds its way into every tier. Mm-hmm. So, starting at our entry tier, Squidly Diddly, you are going to get access to all the stuff that we just talked about with the Shutter shoutouts, of which at this point we have at least 35 of them available. We got a bunch in the bank. Now, granted, some of those films. Not be streaming on Shutter anymore, but hey, our content is still there. Exactly. Now, the other thing that we just recently added, which I really like, because we talk about the home experience with the Shutter shoutout, but if you're here in the Kansas City area, again, every Friday we do our Friday Night Frights. Well, part of that is we do a customized pre-show mm-hmm. and trailer reel for each Friday Night Fright. I have to say, the as of January, whatever, whatever, the pre-show that you did for Tusk oh. was spectacular, thanks, friend. Thanks, that thanks. was it. Gave me. I was bobbing my head. I was giggling. I was laughing. 
And it wasn't like inappropriate laughter, as in like sometimes when I know what's coming up, the like like the sleepaway camp, like whenever you have the Con Air and the corn trailer, everybody's like, "What the hell does this have to?" Newbies like, "What does this have to do with everything?" And then even the people who've seen it for a minute takes it a few minutes, like Con Air, oh, Ooh. right. So it's one of those. So, but this one, this one was a well done on this uh, the Tusk pre-show. Well, you have to understand, it's coming from someone that is putting. What would the introvert like to see? So they don't necessarily have to talk with the people that are out there in the crowd. That's what. So thank you, thank mm-hmm. you. I'm glad. I'm glad. Because if I did pre-shows, it would be nothing but Simpsons clips. <laughs> I tried to weave those in there for you as well. <laughs> in fact, here, what was I watching recently? It was something with Knifey Spoonie. So it's, I think it was Australia. Knifey Spoonie before that. So we actually provide you with the video content. In fact, what I love what you talked about it is it includes the little background we do. So we pause on the projector. Mm-hmm. Practice your hosting and stuff. Yeah. So it really is the home version. Uh, but I think the main... Ladies and gentlemen, tar. <laughs> you have to laugh to get through the main feature, my friend. Our our apologies and big hugs to everyone that came out for the Tusk screening. But the main thing on the, the, the Squidly Diddly tier is uh, three times a week. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, uh, I release... A 10 to 15 minute little reaction episode where I'm talking about a movie that I watched for the first time. And at this point, there's over 400 of these I've seen that episodes. And I've actually listened to a few of them. Thanks. Like more than a few. I think I got like 30 in my belt, under my belt. Well, and because a number of them are movies I watched with you for the first time. And I will reference the experience of watching those movies for the first time. And it's been, it's been a journey. And it, it started with uh, Abel Ferrara's King of New York. And it's carried me through every kind of genre. Documentaries, uh, sports ball, to stuff that I have didn't finish watching. Thank you, Samurai Cop Part 2. Oh, man, that was tough. That was one of those when I realized... They got Tommy Wiseau involved. Um, I'm like, oh, I think you're steering the the ship's going in a bad way. See, they went from they were living in Turbo Kid, but they're like, hey, let's see if the grass is greener in Kung Fury Land. And as they probably found out, the grass isn't greener. It was rough. It was pretty rough. Oh, that's a bummer, dude. Well, I wanted to put together a nice sampling, the appetizer portion of what we're going to do for this month. Mm -hmm. And the calamari course. (laughs) There's Technically, there's no real surprise squidly diddly in any of these, per se, <laughs> because <laughs> the sampler platter I put together does have some connective tissue. And in fact, I'd like to think that what we're offering throughout the entirety of the month will actually give you a little bit more insight, mm-hmm. because some of the stuff that makes its way to the main feed... Be starts as jokes or things that happen in things that only Patreon pallies <laughs> have access to. And one of the things that has made its way to the forefront is our appreciation and adoration of any movie that has the balls. Literally. <laughs> quite Yeah, quite literally, where we get to break out a certain gong. Mm. Dong, dong. The thunder gong. The thunder gong. The dong gong. Because he, he's hanging dong? He's hanging dong. And granted, 
I don't think you'll find that kind of a reference in The Simpsons, Mm-mm. which is why we have It's Always Sunny. Yeah, but we definitely need the uh, the dong gong to crank out. That's a, we actually, <laughs> I don't know if banging an actual gong in the middle of the movie theater would be uh, good etiquette. That would etiquette, be disruptive. But at the same time, we do need like something so like, ladies and gentlemen, we're breaking it out, bong, at the beginning. Well, as we like to do when we uh, host movies, if we know dong is going to be hung, we will say, ladies and gentlemen, because we celebrate. In fact, do you remember the one time we forgot to tell everyone at pieces? Yeah. And when Dong was hung on the big screen, what did we hear? Dong! People, people were reacting. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it worked. So, so we need to make sure we have props. We do. And again, we always raise our hands every time we see it potentially. Bong. And then, oh, when, when, <laughs> when the opportunity is missed. Well, there's even, sh- we designated Shadow Dong, Surprise Dong, Side Dong. Monster Dong. It's kind of all. Advent calendar. That was a good, nice surprise. <laughs> so the uh, sample platter that I'm putting together, it runs all through different genres here. Uh, we're going to start with... Uh, a, an appetizer from the Atkins diet, uh, Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning. Scary as fuck. I love fucking Scott Atkins, dude. He's the shit. There are multiple entries of the Atkins diets on the I've Seen That feed. Multiple. And it's been a pleasure every single time I watch a movie of his. But this is the only one I've seen so far where we break out the dong gong. <laughs> dong! I was shocked when it happened. And I know this is still on your radar, right? Yeah. It's well worth your time. Because, like, I've seen a whole bunch of other Scott Atkins movies oh, yeah, and all yeah. the other stuff, but, like, that's one yeah. I, like, I know is good. Like, based on reputation, not only from you, but from Mount Baldy, oh. you know? And when it comes to action movies, especially Scott Atkins movies, like, his is the name I trust. Well, what's great is he's technically the main ingredient of the dish, mm-hmm. but then you get these little side ingredients of Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wonderful. It's pretty Wonderful. great. It's pretty great. Now, I'm going to follow this up with one of my big surprises of last year, uh, a little folk horror film called uh, You Will Not Be Alone. Oh, yeah? Is yes. it about the landlord's daughter? <laughs> it could be, potentially, actually. It is... Oh, oh my goodness. Macedonian folk horror. What? It has my favorite use of a witch from 2022. Hmm. Uh, it's got an incredible performance by, oh, good Lord. Um, she's been in a number of A24 films. It's going to kill me. She's wonderful Imogene in it. Imogene Poots. Not her. She's also wonderful in all the films that she does. Uh, but I just it saying Poots. was just happy. I will say this. It starts with this kitty cat pitter-pattering across the field, and you could hear the pitter-patter. And I was like, oh, that's cute. But then I'm like, also, oh, my God, it's a folk horror film. Are we going to be okay? There is some animal trauma in this movie, so note to self. Okay. But, hey, also, you know, what I was shocked, dong. Really? Was not expecting it. So but two dongs in a row. Two dongs in a row, which leads us to a movie that we saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. We saw it in theater one, mm-hmm. and within the first 30 seconds of the movie. Oh, yeah, we get dong in that one. And then it's dong throughout. Yeah, a lot of dong, a lot of dong. This this is like a uh, Rush song with all the gongs banging in there. This is a Queen song, bong, with all of the, this is this is old school. 
Jackass Forever did so provide funny, so a nice funny. peripheral viewing experience with you with the Silence of the Lambs thing. <laughs> because we know how that tickles you. In fact, the pre-show in Tusk, including Justin Long doing his yep. whole bit, which I hope you appreciated. But Oh, I did. I did. We're going to close, then, this little sampler platter with a movie I saw for the first time at the Stray Cat Theater. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, when you do get to see... Bigfoot's O-Face with a theater full of people for the first time it hits you quite differently but uh, Night of the Demon is one of those that I will never forget <laughs> you gotta love good old exploitation big Bigfoot exploitation Sasquatch exploitation Sasquatch yes Satch, you're gonna give us a, a exploitation is something different but it is severed a dong that is the gong gets to be oof. broken out oof, it's incredible oof, oof. it's incredible now, that being said, <laughs> it is just a sampling. It's a lot of dumb. A taste of what we offer at the screen degree <laughs> level. Hopefully, that entices you. And again, my apologies if it doesn't. So, <laughs> that being said. If, if all of this talk doesn't entice you, then probably be being a pally is not for you. This way. is the entry level, mind you. But again, if it doesn't, that's totally cool. And of course, ideally, we will always put out content on the main feed. Uh-huh. Uh, now, next <laughs> week, uh, we're going to advance to our next tier, which, not to be confused with the I've Seen That Challenge or the I've Seen That Feed, is the I've Seen That Tier. of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that assumes any wooden bat seen in a horror movie bears the moniker of peacemaker my name is greg and on today's patreon only episode the i've seen that challenge finds me dining on a dish from the atkins diet as i feast upon 2012's universal soldier day of reckoning and if you're listening in, thank you for being one of the darling devotees that help make up our Nightmare Junkhead film family. And if any of you had marched up to me and asked, Hey, Greg, what do you think about Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning? I thought, oh, yeah, that's that direct-to-sequel one with uh, Scott Atkins? Yeah, I've seen that. And boy, oh boy, welcome back, Scott Atkins, to the I've Seen That Challenge uh, welcome back, the Atkins Diet, because trust me, any time I take in a recipe from that particular uh, resume filmography, I never walk away disappointed. Uh, and regardless if, you know, Scott Atkins is the main point of the dish or if he is just one of the spices of the dish, it's usually so, so good. And in this case... Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, he is truly the centerpiece of the dish. He is he's he's the beef. He is the meat in this case, and Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren are the spices that are peppered throughout this particular recipe. And oh my goodness. Now, here's what I knew. I knew 
of reputation of this one. I knew this was direct video, but I had heard, don't let that horrible moniker, uh, you know, dissuade you from checking it out because it is mean. It is gory. Uh, it has some incredible fight scenes. And let me just say, expectations exceeded when it came to all that. But the one thing they don't tell you about this direct-to-sequel, uh, direct-to-video-sequel, you know, direct-to-whatever-sequel, I didn't expect to have to break out. Dong! Of all the things... I come to expect in a Scott Atkins, Scott Atkins flick, you know, a lot of amazing martial arts. He's going to do the flippy kick at some point. Uh, he's going to be charming, but I don't expect to break out the old dong gong, but gosh, darn it. There is a brothel massacre scene that is, again, I talked about how mean this movie is. It is mean. It is brutal. And this, this is a brutal brothel massacre. And, you get there's a lot there is a lot of nudity in this movie. I was not expecting that. And I mean we're talking again obviously with the Dong Gong, but we've got full frontal everywhere in this brothel. It is equal opportunity. And from the get-go in this massacre, from the first headshot, and this is very much akin of the of a John Wick kind of feel. But the brutality I wasn't really ready for uh but that being said the presence and well so at the brothel massacre is happening i see a lot of nudity i'm like you know what would be interesting you know what would really truly surprise me is if i had to break out a little gong here and oh trust me it's not a little gong we're breaking out needless to say dong is hung in a universal soldier day of reckoning that being said, this is directed by uh, John, son of Peter Hyams, uh, who also directed Universal Soldier Regeneration, which is the sequel beforehand. It's an I've seen that as well. In fact, I've seen Universal Soldier at least one time. I did rent it on video back in the day. I don't know if I've actually revisit it full revisit it completely because just the bits and pieces that stick out to me are like the Dolph Lundgren's ear necklace the crazy um rappelling down the dam and I did of course put together a trailer reel uh when I was watching this at home and it was the first Universal Soldier trailer and I completely forgot Roland Emmerich directed that I might need to go back and revisit the OG uh Universal Soldier but John Hyams, I thought, did a great job with this. Now, of course, his dad, Peter Hyams, uh, directed one of my favorite buddy cop films, Running Scared, amongst other things. But I'm going to have to now watch Regeneration because there was a great combination of, of the bombastic, brutal action. But there's a lot of horror in this movie, be it through these dream sequences, be it through the way things are shot, the way it's lit the atmosphere, you could call this almost like a horror-adjacent kind of film, which is crazy when you think about it because technically it's it's something from the Universal Soldier franchise. And sure enough, it works, though. It works really, really well. And the whole thing is built around 
that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren's characters from the original have been released from their hold and are trying to release other universal soldiers out there and are putting together their own little army. It's pretty cool. It works really well. And then the whole conceit is they're trying to bring in Scott Atkins. You you know what? I don't know the conceit. This movie is confusing as all get out. I had a lot of stuff written down, but as I was watching the movie, I was trying to figure out what the end game was. And it's not necessarily that I couldn't figure out what was happening. I was just trying to figure out if the narrative really made a lot of sense. And don't get me wrong, though. The bombastity of the action had me not really caring, but I, I was it's It's Scott Atkins. I, here's the thing with one of his, one of the things with his films, no matter how monstrous or barbaric his character is at some point, that character is going to be charming and he just oozes charm throughout. And especially when he's got his scenes with his little girl and he's charming in this movie. And that was, again, that, that works for me. I found myself caring for the character and caring for him to get his revenge because there's also a little bit of a insomnia memento kind of thing where he has also been in a coma for a while and he may have a double life. He the, 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 he goes to a strip club. He befriends one of the dancers there. She is then involved in the film. This movie is all over. But then, like I said, it's punctuated and known for the fight scenes. And the first big one that happens is is this bathroom fight. And what I really like with the complexity and the diversity of the fight scenes is a, there's a few of them that are very restricted and almost claustrophobic. And then there are some that are very much more expansive and drawn out. And this bathroom fight scene is very restrictive and it's very brutal. And anytime you can introduce like one of the, the top of a toilet bowl, because those things are weighty and heavy. It, it, it goes back to a true romance when she hits uh, Patricia Arquette and uh, hits, uh, uh, oh my God, Gandolfini, and it doesn't break. Oh, terrifying. But this one breaks, so it worked really well. But that the entirety of that bathroom fight scene was rad. But then, of course, you get the sporting goods store scene. And this is when you introduce Bats to the equation and I remember being very disappointed uh, in the Warriors probably the first time I watched it I'll even admit it I was probably quasi bored watching it because I didn't necessarily I was anticipating and expecting 80s action versus 70s action and more character paced as the Warriors is so by the time they battled the Furies with bats it was a little boring for me and i was really disappointed in the furies more than anything i'm like man get the warriors they didn't stick the bats up their butts make them look like popsicles uh it's ridiculous but boy oh boy not disappointed with the bat fight in the bat scene in here and again the brutality the choreography between the two and when you when you let scott atkins when you get to let him do his thing oh man oh man and the ending point, the it's wonderful. Just you can watch it on YouTube. This is available to watch, I should say, on Tubi. So Tubi or not to be, Tubi indeed. 
Uh, there is a truck chase scene in this that was really good because it is all practical. There's a lot of uh, going the wrong way in this particular chase scene, which just adds the level of danger. And this is all practical. These are all real cars. There's not a lot of CG going on in anything in here. So that heightens the danger. And I wasn't anticipating that in this movie added to it. We then get the Warner, and there are some people that get upset and think like when you do a, a long one shot that it's you're showing off. But why wouldn't you, especially if it adds to the tension of the scene? Uh, go to there's a number of them. If you go to Tony Jaw, I think it's either Ong Bak or the Protector where he's got the one or where he's going up the stairs. Uh, there is, of course, the very famous one in Hard Boiled uh, in the hospital scene. And apparently there's one in Regeneration as well. But I did I wasn't aware of any of this. Again, I'm going in blind. So there's a few points. I was like, wow, we're we're still going. We haven't cut yet. And we've got Scott Atkins in full on Scott Atkins mode just mowing down all these other freed universal soldiers and we haven't cut yet. Now I think possibly there could be some hidden ones in there when they're going from room to room and it gets a little bit dark. And I don't care if that is, a, I don't consider that a cheat because what it produced is incredible. And I always feel the most anxiety for the person that has to do the very last thing before they know they can cut and everything's done and I'm afraid like my whatever my prop wouldn't work. Uh, the, the sugar glass isn't going to break. I'm going to mess. I'm going to fart. You know, something's going to happen. Then they're going to cut. We got to go all the way to the back. And oh, my goodness, it's so good and so satisfying. So by the time it does cut and you're aware of it, you're like, oh, you, you almost you almost start holding your breath amidst the wonder that was going on. And I kind of did. It was awesome. And then, of course, you get the mono Imano. We mentioned the spices here. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. The Dolph fight scene, very much close quarters. Some incredible over, top-down viewing uh, shots of them battling, especially when they're going for guns and then combat, almost like doing the gun kata in a way. And I'm not going to say... The, the dispatching of said, let's face it, spoiler alert, the movie's 10 years old at this point. The dispatching of Dolph is very much in the vein of, let's just say, how they took Jason out in the final chapter. Brutal, brutal. But then we get the, what I was, oh, for a brief second, I was afraid we were going into really bad, like a problematic fave thing where Jean-Claude was going to be donning blackface thankfully it looked like it was more of a Seinfeld homage with the black and white cookie look to the cookie as he's got face paint and then I realized no they're really pulling from the Colonel Kurtz book as you realize he is this Colonel Kurtz at this point he has put together all these people they're following him you have to go down river so they're very much going you know heart of darkness which is awesome. And then the fight with Jean-Claude, number one, I would have I would have expected possible dong on a deleted scene 
is 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 if he was doing his splits, which I expected, and then some mishap, a um, wardrobe malfunction happens, like oh hey, don't put that in the movie. That's if if any kind of Don expected, I would have put money down. I would have gotten the splits over Dong being hung, and I we didn't get the splits here. I was I'm not upset. Actually, it was kind of refreshing not have that happen in this fight scene, but you get some vintage stuff with Van Damme, but you get a flippity kick with Mr. Atkins, and again, the dispatching is fantastic, and it also then shows this whole element of now you've killed our leader, now you are our leader, and I'm not sure if there's anything beyond this for Universal Soldier, uh, I'm going to go back into regeneration without a doubt. Oh, speaking of regeneration, the chopping of the fingers and the chopping of the toes and the regeneration. Nice, nice, nice bit of business there. Again, this one was definitely a blast. Uh, don't go in expecting much of a story, but the fight sequences alone are worthy of to be in or not to be. But especially because we got to break out the dong gong, you know it's to be. So thanks to to be, I can now truthfully say... Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning? I've seen that. consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast or a podcast that constantly confuses 18 again like father like son and vice versa my name is greg and on today's patreon only episode the i've seen that challenge finds me trying to find myself as i body hop around macedonia's countryside and talk 2022's you will not be alone and if you are listening in, thank you for being part of the coven that makes up our Nightmare Junkhead film family. And if any of you had come up to me between spells and asked, uh, Greg, what are your thoughts on You Will Not Be Alone? I'd go, oh yeah, that's that a new period piece about a witch in the woods? I've seen that. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and I had to be fairly vague with that because quite honest I knew very little to nothing about you will not be alone and to be quite honest I was blown away with this viewing and shout out to Screenland Armor as I was able to see this in the theater and a film family member Bobby as he had made mention and commented on a uh, post through Facebook. So, hey, Facebook did do some good here. Uh, Screenland had put out a post talking about, like, all the original movies that are coming out here in the next few weeks and how it's really kind of the anti, I don't want to say MCU or, you know, comic book-based filmmaking, but some stuff of some original IPs, some, some original thoughts in filmmakers. And there's, a, let me just say this, the next few 
months, possibly. No, I'll say weeks because I'm doing three three a week here are going to be populated with things that are coming from Screenland and Stray Cat. And from Screenland, obviously, with the Panic Film Festival, so many good things coming up. But Bobby had commented, and he was like, hey, um, You Will Not Be Alone is actually pretty good. And I was like, you know what? I, I need me some content, and I'm not going to say this is counter-Morbius programming, because, again, Morbius was not offensive. I actually enjoyed it. I, of course, enjoy seeing people rip each other apart, a la Matt Smith and Jared Leto at the end of Morbius online and via the social medias. But man, oh man, knowing going in that this was a witch-based film, I felt fairly prepped in a way because if you go back within the last month I've watched for the first time uh, Hellbender and Eyes of Fire of both of which are available to view on Shudder very much witch films and very much part of a spell that is definitely putting together with this movie because I got so many different vibes in this movie and it goes places and from the start you're introduced to one of my favorite characters of the year and one that's going to stay with me because quite honest if you were to come up to me and ask hey greg i'm you're gonna see a period piece horror genre film that features a witch what would you expect? So, I, uh, you know, it's probably going to be maybe it's pro- beautiful cinematography, uh, probably some painfully accurate production design, maybe a, a very sc- scarce and scary score. But I better have someone old and someone naked in that movie. And be it man, be it woman, be it something. I, I, I don't care. Old and naked, baby. That's what I need. I need that with my witches. I need that with my Satanists. Hell, Satan! That's what I need. Well, guess what? The, the protagonist, the antagonist, she's definitely the antagonist. Although very, very, very tragic beginnings. Old Maid Maria. One for the ages from urban folklore legend the 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 scary tale you tell the kids when they want a scary tale when that's all you had was storytelling hers is great and also if you ask what do i need in a witch film i did this is going to sound horrible but ideally i need maybe someone innocent suffering so she can bestow a curse upon a land or upon a people and we get that checked off here as well and holy smokes not only is old maid maria old and naked as a bonus she is horribly burned as she has she she is immortal and she the sustenance she seeks is of course blood and be it that maybe she's existed for quite some time, she's got a crazy sense of humor, and if you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about, but she's also 
cruel. Uh, she's nuanced and uh, just this crazy character. But oh my gosh, the special effects work for her is crazy. In fact, Mike, I've seen a lot of old naked flesh here lately uh, between X. And I think we're, we're going to continue to see it because a lot of the filmmakers that we grew up with, they're getting older, as are some of their favorite actors. And as we all get older, we start looking back again. It's just that being too old to blank. And this film, my goodness, the journey you go on is not with Old Maid Maria. No, no, no. She's in the background. She lurks in the periphery. You actually start with this little baby whose tongue is ripped out, possibly, and she grows up in protection and isolation from Old Maid Maria, and she eventually is uh, taken by Old Maid Maria, and she becomes like Old Maid Maria. I drink every time. You're going to be schnockered at this point. But she makes her like Old Maid Maria as this 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 witch, this being of nature. And one of the benefits is transmorgification and becoming someone else or something else. And she actually does become another person. She becomes another dog. There is a literal point. Oh, oh, by the way, by the way, here. From the get-go, lots of animal violence. So if that's one of those things that's, you know, not... If it's off the board for you, I totally understand. But be warned of that. Uh, let me just say this. Great Foley work with the, uh, the pitter-patter of cat paws at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, hopefully, Bobby, you listen to this, and hopefully maybe I'm not wrong. But from the get-go, I'm like, oh, cute kitty! But almost immediately, it's like, oh, no, this could end badly this is a long time ago another time another place uh also dong break it out as well we are uh equal opportunity nudity here because from dog to man as i don't know if that's um that was on purpose or not as a dog she witnesses witnesses a um a, a mass flogging I guess you could call it, which piques her interest. So she does become a man. And, oh, hey, Charlie. Charlie was chilling out there for a second, and then she just had a bad dream. And then, and I was, hey, from dog, dog to man, from man, and she experiences things. And the movie is all about her basically figuring out what it is to be human because she had no interaction for, I think, in 16 years and as someone as awkward as I really am, I mean, I, I'm very well practiced and mannered, and, and but man, in my heart of hearts, I'm just a bundle of anxiety and nerves and just horrible esteem and this and that. So there are moments when it's Numi Rapace, or Rapace, I apologize if I am, however I'm mispronouncing it, but she is so goddamn good. And this is not the first time we've seen her. This is not the first time I've seen her this year. She was in uh, a, a movie you know all about, Lamb, huh? You, you, homonym humor. Come on, sorry. It's it's a little bit later than usual when I'm recording. 
I usually record these early in the morning. I'm actually recording this in the evening. So bad humor. My apologies. Uh, the cinematography in this movie checked. Um, uh, Matthew uh, Chuang, cinematographer of this film. Oh, my goodness. Sumptuous. It looked so good. Uh, worked really, really well. But the whole thing of Numi Rapice and when she is at that moment, when she's part of the character, her learning how to interact and her practicing how to interact. I'm not going to say it kind of hit home to me, but there's just that moment where she's yearning to be with other people and how to be normal with them. And there's that moment when she's like, I feel much better when I'm with the women than I'm with my man. And there is a number of things that could be read into this film, be it, uh, you know, uh, transgender identity. Uh, it's there's this movie is very heady. It's very funny. It's very gory. It's surprise surprise body horror, by the way, and surprised me, but also I think surprised the couple. The there's a uh, that was sitting in front of me. There were two couples that initially the two ladies came in. Uh, by themselves and I'm like okay two friends watching a witch movie that's fair and then their dudes came in now the dudes I only say because one of the dudes was wearing his sunglasses in his hair throughout the film didn't take them off and because this film was subtitled said glasses kind of gave me a tough time to read the dialogue and the dialogue is sparse but it's wonderful especially when it's part of the narration which is another very stylized choice in this film that really elevated it and just kept me going through the film but oh goodness the body horror and how you become the new person is gross gory and they were all squirming in their seats so it was quite wonderful i swear if genius is there he would have probably been the, <laughs> that that deep giggle i will say one of the things that i was feeling throughout this movie was it's connections with other movies. Uh, you know, what could I play this as a double feature? But one of the movies, the biggest vibes I got initially was under the skin, which is that, Oh my God, I, I feel bad. I can't remember the filmmaker, but it's Scarlett Johansson is this low budget, really crazy sci-fi film that she did. And Oh my God, I just, that got that kind of vibe from it, but there's a lot of hope in this movie. And it's all about perspective and maybe thinking about the other person. And again, I was not expecting any of that in this movie, but it gave me, it gave me, it gave me dong. Uh, it gave me body horror. Uh, it gave me old maid Maria, who is one for the friggin' ages. Uh, the wispy hair, her God damn it. She, and she's just, she's really funny. I need to, I need to watch this one again. I am going to champion this one. Unfortunately, by the time this releases, I think it'll have already passed through Screenland. But if it's available on demand, I would check it out. And I'll, I'm going to pick this up on, on, uh, on physical media because hopefully it'll get a release. And ideally, I need, to need, I need to know more about Old Maid Maria. So thanks to Bobby and Screenland Armor, I can now truthfully say, you will not be alone. I've seen that.
out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from. This is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that appreciates both subtle and obvious references to the work of one Jonathan Demi. My name is Greg, and on today's Patreon-only episode, the I've Seen That Challenge finds me squirming, gagging, and laughing my way through 2022's Jackass Forever. And if you are listening in, thank you for being one of the psychotic stunt people that helped make up our Nightmare Junkhead film family. And if any of you had come up to me and asked, Greg, uh, what are your thoughts on Jackass Forever? I'd go, oh, that's the uh, fourth film with uh, more groin shots and poop play. I've seen that. And if I had truly seen it, when I was BSing you with a little I've seen that, in addition to groin shots and poop play, I would have definitely thrown in lots and lots of dong. And I'm not saying that I walked away from Jackass Forever uh, the way Genius walked away from Verotica in terms of just being overwhelmed with a certain amount of body parts. But my goodness gracious, if we indeed do incorporate the uh, the dong gong in the show, we would have, that thing would have been destroyed, bruised. We would have had to replace it by the time Jackass Forever finished up. And it's kind of incredible that this small flurry of notes means so much to so many people. Go ahead and have your own Pavlovian experience here. And right off the bat, some people out there are like, okay, that's my jam. Some people are like, no way, that is absolutely not my jam. Because like a number of films that I've had the chance to watch for the first time, I always understand, you know, there are certain genres that are of a particular taste. And there are going to be a certain subsect of people that are going to avoid certain genres certain types of film like The Plague, and I totally understand that. And the overall aesthetic of Jackass, four films in, a TV series, so many different spinoffs, it has its own particular aesthetic. And what's great is the fact that we are now 20 years in with this franchise. And imagine that this is a franchise. In fact, I saw the original Jackass in the theater back in 2002. I took my then 14-year-old cousin Ashley <laughs> to the theater. to. I took her to so many different movies. If you go back to I'm trying to remember when we talked about uh, Frailty and Into the Mouth of March Madness, I had taken Ashley to that, to a screening of Frailty. I couldn't find her after the film, and I freaked out. That's the same Ashley. Uh, I took her to her first concert. It was a Blink-182 show. And I was 24. She was 14. Uh, and I knew of Jackass primarily because of the kind of the crew I ran with. Uh, as many of you know, I used to be a fruit booter. But in addition to rollerblading, I actually hung out with quite a few skateboarders, thankfully. Uh, established my street cred and so they wouldn't beat me up. But because of that, I was very familiar with, you know, Big Brother Magazine. 
that was the skate magazine where you could see naked ladies. I was familiar with some of the, uh, the videographers that were out there. There is uh, this one snowboarding video called Demented Chowder Pilots. And it was one of those films that I watched for the first time and was just like utterly blown away with what I was seeing, what I was watching people do. And in many ways, skateboarding culture was just a lot cooler than rollerblading culture. But I was familiar with the whole Jackass crew, Johnny Knoxville. And when it hit the big screen, I was the first in line. I There was something about the overall manic energy and chaos involved with what they were doing. But the biggest thing and the one thing that has, I think has kept them relevant is their overall, and I'm talking about the Jackass crew, kind of their love of one of one another. And there's an, there can definitely be some interesting dissertations put together on kind of like the psychology of friendship as depicted within the Jackass franchise. And another thing that you could definitely probably write a dissertation on is the homoerotic content of the Jackass franchise. And it's really funny because actually there is a pretty large, as far as I know, LGBTQ contingent that love these films. And I think a lot of it is because there is no real homophobic content in all these guys being around each other, naked, staring at each other's, you know, nether regions, and norm and normalizing that kind of interaction, and also, you know, normalizing male nudity. Uh, in the first Jackass, there you definitely saw some penis. It wasn't uh, as in your face potentially as it is in Part Four, but it was really funny. It was it was minute for the most part. But as this, the franchise and the series, you know, continued and evolved, it became more prominent to the point in part four literally starts with a rampaging monster dong. How you want to interpret that is your own. But if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's there's just something about the chaos they bring. There is something, there's something to the fact that John Waters loves Johnny Knoxville and Jackass and everything that they're about. And they are many things to many people. Like I said, those, those, the little flourishing of the just either lets you know it's time to turn the channel or it's time to put the remote down and take in a bunch of grown men doing outrageous things to each other. But to me, it was never really mean spirited. There was something that I'm not going to put you through something that I myself am not going to put myself through. There was almost like equal opportunity pranks, pranking going on. Uh, I would definitely say this. I would never, ever, ever, want to be on set for any of the jackass films because I don't think you could ever fully relax because of the pranking that is going on because of the fact that they don't care if something is or not on camera as long as it happens and it's funny it's good 
and oh my god to just be never to be at ease there's just something that just gives me anxiety thinking about it which means i'm glad i can watch it from afar but the original came out in 2002 here we are 20 years later and a lot of stuff happens in 20 years and what's great is from the get-go on top of the monster dong that we open up the film with there is a lot of reflection going on uh you know have we grown have we evolved are we more wise in this case? And the answer is yes, because they do bring in some new blood for some of the the stunts and the stunt work that goes on in here. And I don't think I have squirmed this much. Like I squirmed more in Jackass Forever than like a than any kind of like crazy body horror movie. Uh, I gagged quite possibly more in this film than any kind of a body horror movie. And I also laughed probably harder than any mainstream comedy that I've watched in quite some time. And again, that probably says more about me than it does the actual content of the film. But by the time I watched Jackass Forever, I was needing a laugh. I had just had a really, really rough weekend with my dad, and I was needing just to turn my brain off and giggle and just feel that dopamine come in and make me feel better and you could probably prescribe this to a depressed person and it can make them feel better. And to hear people react in the theater was wonderful. There's a number of standout. I mean, I'm 10 minutes into this little review and I haven't even talked about the film itself there. It's and it's set up exactly like all the other films are. So you're going to get various stunts, segments, what have you. One of the standouts was the Silence of the Lambs segment, which, of course, of course, Genius was rolling, because I did see this with him and Dustin. And the payoff for the Silence of the Lambs, it's, it's so wonderful, because you've got Chris Pontius doing, no dong was hung during this segment. Appropriately, it was tucked. It was about the only time it was tucked away in this particular movie. But to see him just in the background doing his thing, God damn it, it was funny. Felissa Rose might indeed be a consultant on this film because there is a lot of genital trauma and mangled dong. There's a hockey player that talked so much shit during his segment that I was cackling because he he understood kind of the overall philosophy of the show and how to how to get into it. Uh, the New Blood themselves were really good. Uh, the big guy, Zach, I think his name, fantastic. Uh, when they bring in the celebrities, be it Eric Andre, uh, Tyler, the creator, they were all raised on Jackass, so they know what to look for. They know how to play into everything, and it's great. The, the B-gag. Good Lord, the B-gag. Uh, the fact that Steve-O, in the, in the 20 years since the original Jackass started, has been able to go through rehab and is looks great, actually. In fact, a lot, almost all of Johnny and Steve-O especially look really good for their ages. Johnny Knoxville with the, the silver fox now. Um, the fact that they bring the bull back and, oh my God, there are several instances where people fall and be it that I'm a veteran of 
falling on my ass for my skating days, there are certain sounds they make and certain ways when when they fall and the position they're in where you go, oh, snap, that looks bad. couple of instances in this. Again, if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not funny. And this franchise has actually kind of challenged that notion. And they've really challenged the idea of what is funny. Like I said, there are slew of people out there that cannot stand jackass, that despise everything that it stands for. And I get it. It's not going to be for everyone. But boy, oh boy, (laughs) if you are looking for some full frontal male nudity, if you're looking for dong to be hung in a variety of ways, for dong to be pressed in a variety of ways, and for dong to be shot in a variety of ways, let me recommend a little film called Jackass Forever. So thanks to Screenland Armor, I can now truthfully say, Jackass Forever? I've seen that. of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that because of the inclusion of a wendigo always gave a lot of love to canada's alpha flight my name is greg and on today's patreon only episode yeah i've seen that challenge finds me heading to the woods in search of bigfoot as i break out a certain gong to talk 1980s night of the demon. And if you are listening in, thank you for being one of the master casters that helped make up our Nightmare Junkhead film family. And if any of you had come up to me between castings and inquired, hey Greg, what do you think about that flick Night of the Demon? And I go, <laughs> That's the one with a uh, Bigfoot ripping off a guy's penis? Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> and boy oh boy. This uh, was the second film of the first Stray Cat Theater horror movie marathon. (laughs) And man, oh man, did this one definitely live up to its reputation. This is a movie that, much like any of the entries of the Video Nasties, has some sort of reputation, be it deserved or not, be it because of the title of the movie the VHS cover, the content of the movie. Regardless, a lot of people know about Night of the Demon. (laughs) Much to my surprise, it definitely exceeded my expectations. However, this was one of those things where you felt every bit of the 97 minutes of this film because then you realize, you realize during this movie, you're like, this this could probably be a good... 85 minute film because there are so many lingering shots in this film that you get 
uncomfortable. And if you go for the Simpsons rake gag, you have to be cautious on how long you go because you know how it goes. It's funny. It's not funny. It's funny. It's not funny. It's funny. You always want to try to end up on the funny. This one, I think, kind of ends up on the, the not funny part. So, you know, I felt a little bit of it. But regardless, I was there for Bigfoot. And Bigfoot has, funny enough, always had a presence in my life, uh, be it the infamous picture of Bigfoot, which I think for many of us is nightmare fuel, kinder trauma. However, I was always checking out books on Bigfoot. Uh, We actually, my uh, elementary school library, we had this great collection of books on Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts, UFOs, and I, my name was pretty much the only one that was checking those out because I was fascinated by them. Um, I remember, I think someone in my family said, uh, you know, Greg, uh, Stanley, Kansas, we have a Yeti running around here. Now, I've told you all of my Uncle Chuck that told me about Yellow Eyes, uh, the werewolf that was living in the barn just a few houses down from me. This is a different this is a different relative. Uh, and they would say, I think oh, we saw the Yeti out here last night, Greg. So I would go around and I would like sniff around trying to take in the Yeti scent for some reason. Like I thought I could pick up on it because I had probably at that point watched God, if it's 87, that means I'm 11. I'm pretty naive at 11, but like, you know, Harry and the Hendersons, which portrays Bigfoot in a very, uh, very just uh, Kevin Peter Hall shenanigans kind of light, especially when you got John Lithgow, who's all, he's already petering on the precipice of madness in, in, in many of his roles. So the fact that, you know, you've got him and a Bigfoot. Awesome. Uh, Bigfoot so big, uh, Tenacious D has a great song for Bigfoot. Uh, so I'm always dug the Bigfoot mythology. And again, going to Alpha Flight, uh, the Marvel comic, the Canadian heroes. I always liked uh, Vindicator's costume and powers, just pretty rad, but they had a Wendigo on their team. You could turn into Wendigo. Uh, now, it should be noted, this is very easily confused with podcast fave uh, Night of the Demons, which also features some um, nether region trauma, but just in a different variety in this case. <laughs> but I will say this movie is very 70s, uh, came out in 1980, so you still have the 70s aesthetic, character-based, uh, very hirsute, if you will. There is a really kind of rad score throughout this movie, uh, it changes throughout. Uh, this is a duo by Stuart Hardy and Dennis McCarthy. But one of the things that really cracked me up is the fact that there is um, a very flute-heavy presence uh, at the very beginning of the movie. And I actually, I dig the flute. There's a jazz uh, player by the name of Eric Dolphy, who also being a alto saxist multi-instrumentalist guy but would play the flute and it was an avant-garde musician really rad shit but i want to play the the theme the night of the demon theme for you because from here on out we're gonna get very sleazy but this is just it's airy it's uh it's you would hear this on an am gold uh compilation so yeah this is the main theme uh from night of the demon (laughs) 
that's all right with me. It's pretty glorious. It sets. It's. It feels very seventies. Uh, the the costuming, the facial hair, very seventies. Very confusing. This film because from the get go, you are thrown into the end of the movie because this movie is flashback heavy. Even in our main flashbacks, we get flashbacks. It's very Inception like, and it is in the flashbacks in the flashback where we get all of our kills. Let's face it. This is a, uh, a Sasquatch ploitation, Sasquatch ploitate, however you want to pronounce it. It's Bigfoot gone amok. This, you know, you could do double feature this with, uh, that Bobcat Goldthwait Bigfoot movie. I do remember watching a found footage Bigfoot film. There's all sorts of them out there. But the the kills we get are pretty great. And the very first one we get, we get a couple making love in a Chevy van. And this genius would say, that's all right by me. But apparently not by Bigfoot. And within, this is the first moment of the lingering that I was talking about. And the sex scene is just so lingers and it's uncomfortable and the camera just sits there and you're aware of it. And then at a certain point, based on the way the camera was lingering, I I had my hand up going, hey, is this going to happen? And then Bigfoot comes out and I even more, I'm like, damn, are we going to get it here? Is this where, you know, the the reputation of this movie comes in? Not quite yet. No, no, no. We just get our first very interesting kill. And from there on, all the kills themselves definitely escalate. Uh, There is a Girl Scout kill in this film that was equal parts just horribly traumatic and horribly funny. Uh, this, This movie definitely plays wonderfully with the crowd because at certain points you're looking at each other, having that moment of going, oh my God, are we really watching this? And the way the Bigfoot just manhandles them, it's it's hysterical. And he manhandles a sleeping bag that was very much, uh, I'm sure uh, the, the Friday the 13th crew had to have seen this. And it's it's to an empty degree, though, because this is a Sasquatch. This is Bigfoot throwing around. So it's very much like um, an Olympic event, the way he's throwing the person. It's great. Uh, you get an intestine pull at the very end that was very, very very gratuitous but of course you get the infamous penis ripping and this where we do indeed the dong gong was broken out i when i was there i did the little you know gong dong and the crowd itself reacted uh, we knew what was coming in the intro of course um um they helped us out you know giving us some context of everything but it still killed and then of course the camera lingers on the the bloody remains and it's just spewing and it's gross. And, um, and it's really funny. I knew about the reputation of that, right? So that hit, it was great. But then another moment hit that I wasn't aware of. And it, it kind of hit me harder than the moment, moment I knew was coming. It's very similar uh, to my experience in food of the gods too, of which, you know, I'm looking for giant Bobby. Ha, there he is. And then the giant sex scene happens. <laughs> Well, this one, you know, it's like I knew the penis ripping scene was happening. So, ha, there it is. Oh, gross, gnarly, you know, dong. And then we see the Bigfoot O-Face. And we see Bigfoot's O-Face three times 
in close-ups and it's terrifying traumatizing uh we're all gonna be who all all of us who are in attendance will probably have to go seek therapy because of it and that's the moment when i realize oh shit we're all in this one together at this point like we're experiencing this movie this is happening on screen poor crazy wanda and poor crazy wanda from the moment the group of academics and elites come in they basically let themselves into her house hypnotize her basically against her will all this nasty stuff that is happening and as it turns out of course it's you know bigfoot is protecting her doing his best that he can oh lord oh lord this movie this one definitely exceeded expectations was definitely over long but seeing it with the crowd as part of that first um you know stray cat theater marathon i honestly you know how genius and i always talk about you know the the memories made at nerdoween's based on you know audience reactions you know from here forward obviously you know i'll be attending all of these that stray cat put on but for me that was the moment of the night of our collective journey through night of the demon so thanks to stray cat theater i can now truthfully say night of the demon i've seen that <laughs> <laughs>